The general theme this evening is uh, an exploration of uh, mindfulness. It's an exploration which will include in it the spiritual aspects of uh, mindfulness. I'll explain what I mean by that in a few moments. It also includes the secular expression of mindfulness and I'll make reference of course uh, to that as well and will include my appreciations in the field of the contemporary mindfulness explosion and also and equally my concerns as well. With the talk uh, uh, with you when it's uh, finished make some uh, time for uh, any uh, questions uh, uh, that you may uh, uh, wish to ask and I'll uh, endeavour to respond to them. Uh, firstly and initially with the talk I'd like to go back in the field of uh, time and in this case to the time of the Buddha draw upon <coughs> some of the uh, insights concerns and expressions there move it in field of time to uh, the current and present uh, situation all of which I hope will be of some relevance practical uh, uh, application uh, with regard to the past and the present and the directions of mindfulness and including that some of my uh, experience uh, in the uh, spiritual secular culture of mindfulness that we are currently living in <coughs> uh, but um, uh, initially um, at the time of the Buddha this is in the generalities now but you'll get the point in the time uh, of the Buddha and to some degree there are some parallels in the religious religions of uh, today both um, here in the Middle East and elsewhere in which much emphasis was placed and is still placed in religion on the conservation and the preservation of the past in which texts primarily uh, were given a transcendental significance which meant that they were to be sustained and maintained through thick and thin without uh, a, a change. There was also a lot of emphasis then, that means 2,600 years ago and now, towards a relationship to the past in which there is the preservation uh, of the language of the original uh, uh, language as this was also conceived of as being significant to preserve the historical religious past uh, there. The third aspect as well which was uh, emphasised and is still emphasised is that there are um, authorities, we might call them theologians, we might call them religious uh, authorities the past in that time they were called Brahmins, they might be called rabbis, they might be called priests or bishops or whatever. 
whose duty was to conserve uh, in their own interpretive way as much of the, of the past as possible. The Buddha was very familiar uh, with this endeavour uh, of um, the religions of his uh, time and in the time of the Brahmins uh, who held the religious, uh, religious power they wished to preserve the Vedas was one the second was the, uh, the language that means Sanskrit in this particular case and thirdly as today the ceremonies the rituals uh, the mantras uh, the chantings, the forms of worship. And this was what given, was given to the people. The Buddha looked at all of this, he questioned it, and in his own um, uh, remarkable and uh, rather uh, steadfast voice, he said these three areas of preservation, um, these three knowledges, that means the tradition, the language, Sanskrit, the ceremonies and mantras and rituals and uh, so forth he says I'm offering a different three kinds of knowledge <coughs> he said, and of course they were immediately curious what are these three different kinds of knowledge from what we're offering he says I'm offering uh, the knowledge of exploration of what in the past of the human being is leading up to the present what are the causes and conditions which are affecting your life, which are influencing you? What's been going on yesterday to the day before or in the recent past or during this life which is influencing you today? That knowledge, knowing about that, is important. The second kind of knowledge which he pointed to as well is what is going on in the present. This is really worth knowing about. And the exploration of the present and some of the insights and the clarity into the present. This knowledge is worth having and knowing about. And the third one, what is going on in the present? What, we are, what are we doing in the present? And thirdly, where is it going? What could be, might be, would be the outcome of what we do today where it will lead in the future? Happiness, peace of mind, clarity, suffering, whatever it might be. Therefore, the three primary kinds of knowledge are the relationship to the recent past, what's going on in the present, not just personally, but socially and politically and so forth, and also what's going on in the present, where is it going with regard to the future. He said these three kinds of knowledge are more important than these three religious ones. Which I say, Alleluia. <laughs> And in that, in the exploration of life uh, there, it is very hard, very hard is an polite English word for impossible, it is very hard to find a single concept in the field of human experience which is accentuated, that means um, exaggerated, uh, picked out more than any other. Um, when you have some time for the, the, the questions at the end, I do appreciate for many of you, Hebrew is your first language, and Christopher's knowledge of Hebrew is limited to Shalom, 
humus and after that help. <laughs> so, so if there are things which you don't, <laughs> don't quite understand, just let me, uh, let me know with the uh, qu- uh, 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 questions. But there is no single concept in this deep and vast exploration which in any way is intended to be centralised, to be made in terms of the field of human experience. There is one umbrella concept uh, which is uh, used, and that's the word Dharma, D-H-A-R-M-A, which literally means, literally, and it's important, that which gives support. So when men and women in this world in caring and compassionate ways are giving support to another to animals to the environment to themselves to sustainability to deep values to deep ethics or whatever this is in the Buddha's language this is the Dharma it's that which gives support it does not mean to say that you or I or anybody else ever has to have heard the word. It's, not, it's quite irrelevant. It's just that the word that he adopted using its original meaning of teachings and practices and his uh, reference to it to apply that which gives support. But what's it giving support to? It's giving support to awakening our life it's giving support to the expanding of the heart. It's giving the support to the um, ending of conflict, to the resolution of suffering, to the liberation and freedom of love, to the deep empathy and intimate empathy with all things of life. It, it, Dharma gives support to that. And there are many women and men and children who are uh, on this earth and creatures as well in a whole variety of ways are giving support that's the Dharma at work in this world (coughs) there (coughs) in that exploration (coughs) there (coughs) pardon me the exploration uh, of that in its diversity that means in its differences in all the ways of exploring, you and I might at times use certain words with a certain repetition. And the words that we uh, use could lead to an impression given the history, this is the case with regard to the Buddha, ah, the regular use of the word means that that word has a kind of central place. So some will hear the, hear the word mindfulness and imagine and think, oh, it's a really central word in the Buddha's teachings. It, not, it is not, it never was, there is no evidence for this, I'll talk about this in a moment. Another person may say, oh, a central word in it is meditation and the Buddha's teachings are really about meditation? The answer is no. 
Another person will say, because I hear these voices, uh, I have to endure them. (laughs) That's why there's so much emphasis on tolerance in the tradition. (laughs) And another person may, may say, oh, the teachings are all about being in the here and now. Word being in the here and now are not in 10,000 discourses of the Buddha it's not even mentioned another person may say all all the teachings are all about applying right effort and then a person might think or imagine wow, if I'm going to really develop as a human being gosh, there's so much emphasis on putting in a lot of uh, effort and really striving and, and working hard uh, and the engagement in, in that there is reference uh, to that but it's pretty rare in 10,000 discourses so the meaning and the reflection of what I'm trying to say here is that in an expansive teaching, though teachers myself included uh, and others may use certain concepts with a certain frequency but be watchful of the compartmentalizing of the concept because if you do it will get in the way of your liberation it's that serious there is in the diversity of the exploration of these uh, 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 teachings, it's one we might say of leaving no stone unturned, if you get the metaphor. M- meaning, in, uh, in this case, the exploration is so vast, um, I have to move it away because mindfulness is not always at the best when I'm talking. <laughs> Not that, or when I'm not talking it's all right it's a warm country it would dry overnight so that in the exploration there it's vitally important here to have a genuine sense of the depth of the exploration into every area of life into every area of life uh, there and some aspects of that in terms of the inner work is a preparation for what the teachings are about and what I'll try to uh, um, get over the uh, the point with you we apply, uh, you and I, as we are doing here, teachings and the practices which are involving communication, small groups, listening to each other, facilitation, mindfulness, the silences, the meditations, the checking in with our experiences and much, much more. It is perhaps one of the most fertile (coughs) grounds in the field of human experience. Meaning that when people, in relatively small groups of people, come together 
with her commitment to face this existence, to wake up to this existence, to realise that others essentially are no different from oneself. To people, to come together in that kind of exploration, in the real, that means in the, in the uh, uh, actual, it provides and sows the seeds and the f- plants and the fruits can come in the immediacy. There is no substitute for it. Video conferences, audio talks, YouTubes, and I have stuff on all of these, I do apologise, <laughs> and much, much else. They are helpful, they are useful, they are interesting, you might get some insights uh, out of that as well as the, uh, the literature, another apology from me, and, uh, and more. But do not think, please, for a single moment in life, this is replaceable from the vibration and the potency of the first-hand direct human experience. There is no substitute for it. There's no substitute for this. It's a support. It's a benefit. I'm a keen advocate of it. If you name a social media, Christopher is using it. I'm I'm not in the uh, puritanical garden about uh, these things, but I will still say the dynamic when we get together and explore, I think that has, a, has something else to it. It has, a, it has an aliveness to it because it's not in the abstract of a picture on the screen or a words which were said weeks or months ago or <coughs> years ago in some place. Though there is benefit. In the exploration there, in the preparation and in the work that you and I engage in and explore with ourselves and uh, with each other, there are issues which go on and take place within the human uh, being which clearly need our attention. And with with that, the Buddha making the the, uh, shift uh, here is is a movement, one might say, away from faith, which has been a a common factor of uh, religion. I just want to get this in very, very quickly, in case you're maybe wondering. I am not, I'm not a Buddhist for the start, and secondly, I'm not a secular Buddhist. I I don't buy the argument. In the exploration... Um, of the uh, uh, inner, inner life there is an important work to take place in which we look at some of the no, all of the difficulties and obstructions and issues and pressures that go on with ourselves. the buzzword at the moment it changes every few years is stress <laughs> and the, the world of stress is a genuine concern to people. I mean, a genuine concern. And then, because we're engaged in an inquiry and a, a, a mindfulness and a, a, an exploration, then we ask, well, what, do we, what are we referring to when we're speaking about stress? Because it's such an umbrella concept to, to use. And in taking a single word and working 
a bit more mindfully and carefully with it. What brings about stress? And then something might begin to stand out for us a little bit more clearly so that we have a little little bit more sense of what we've got to attend to. It's fairly obvious, but it's to look from our experience. The first one, not first in a hierarchy here, but the first one is simple. Thinking too much. If there is a recipe in life for getting stressed out, it is excess thinking. Most of the time about things which are totally unimportant, completely irrelevant, unhelpful, useless, pointless. I think you get the point uh, there. Or the other, stress is the issue is important. There is a concern. There is something happening in relationship to the past, the present and and the future. The stress is not allowing you to see what is taking place. It blocks it. You cannot see clearly in life if you're in stress. And therefore what contributes to a way of seeing in which thought which has a very precious place and those silly little gurus who tell you you have to go beyond thought uh, 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 there is just about one of the most thoughtless comments that I know so thought has a really valuable appropriate place for the fully enlightened for the deep meditator for ordinary human being, thought has a place. But it's a thought which is calm, which is clear, which is without stress, which is able to mirror and reflect and look carefully and respectfully at a sensitive issue and to give some wise reflection to it. A skillful use of thought to help understand what is happening. And we need thought for that. We're not trying to get rid of thought. We're trying to transform it into a healthy and insightful dynamic which is so valuable for human beings. There's a a huge difference between that and this negation of thought, this going beyond uh, thought. Of course, there are experiences as well in which it does happen, and it is precious, when the field of the construct and we become mindful that the field of the word, the thought, the idea, the picture, the image in the mind, in the brain cells if you're a fan of um, neurosis, no, neurology or whatever it's called no, neuroscience, I'm sorry I get the words middled up, muddled up they're much the same anyway and rather than <laughs> apologies to the scientists here but it's not heartfelt Um, (laughs) that the place of thought sometimes meditatively and spontaneously drops away no thought in the mind no image in the mind no idea, no word, no concept whatever and there is a genuine deep stillness no mental formation of any kind of that kind is 
uh, entering into the into the consciousness. These are genuinely lovely experiences. They're genuinely deep and uh, uh, profound, and it is of great value to be receptive to that. But it's a misplaced thought which then interprets that and then says, oh, that's what I've got to get to. I've had that no-thought experience, I've had that deep experience, that's the direction I've got to go to, and thoughts get in the way. Thoughts don't have that power, they don't get in the way of anything. That is to over... um, um, give too much authority to thought, it's the reification of the thought. I haven't forgotten the subject, by the way. I'm just <laughs> hanging. In, in, uh, we'll get there. And if you get tired, I keep telling you, mm-hmm. horizontal posture. I had the same privilege. In the <coughs> dynamics of uh, of uh, all of this, there, the spiritual and mindfulness in its sweet sense has a really important place in the scheme of, of things. Once again, though you and I may or may not use the language spiritual, which is fine, may or may not, use the language dharma, may or, or may not, but spiritual in the, uh, uh, the sense uh, uh, of it, the uh, terms of the Dharma teachings uh, here is when a human being in the relationship to life has considerably lowered the importance of materialism which is the polite word for consumerism when that's lowered in consciousness when that has a much lower profile in our relationship to life that means the world of things Wet the world of things, things, things. So when a human being has is giving priority in life to the self, that means the world of I and my, quite often and with it go two associations. One is status, position, identity, that's one. And the second which is often the confirmation of it, which is called ownership. It is called possession. It is called having. That's the world of things. So there's status, position, I am somebody, whatever that might be, and there is ownership. And this idea that this is what life is about brings about an extraordinary contraction in consciousness because one is in a small box of the material world and the self. And of course, uh, uh, with it, will come, without exception, the terror of death. Because it's the loss of everything. Because, and why is it the loss of everything? Because one was deluded to think one had it in the first place. And that shift in consciousness the movement away from materialism, consumerism, begins to generate in the human being another kind of awareness, 
mindfulness, consciousness, which begins to be receptive to that which is not materialism and not about self and not about ownership. That receptivity is called the beginnings of the spiritual life. (coughs) It is not that men and women have to um, shave our head and put on some orange curtains and go and live in a monastery uh, somewhere or, or other. Uh, I, I, you know, I have the authority to say that because I did it. <laughs> but it's a uh, it's a view of 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 life. It is an understanding about life that the material world for those of us in the privilege of so-called choices, have. But a human being, and there's at least a minimum of one billion of them, cannot reflect, think, meditate, go deeply, when he or she doesn't know if he or her or the family will eat that day. For them, the material world is survival. The beloved brothers and sisters in the Arab world being bombed to death and shelled to death and, and all the slaughter that is taking place. Their, their world, the tragedy of, of their world and all the many other wars that are on, the, on this earth, it's, it's about the material world. It's about food. It's about clothing. It's about shelter. It's about safety. It's about medicine. It's about survival and we with the privilege of, of the exploration of the material world can still know we are going to eat, we're going to have shelter we're going to have clothing, we're going to have the uh, medicine we're, we're going to be relatively safe not guarantee, but relatively uh, safe and that brings upon us because we are conscious of that and mindful of that, a kind of extra responsibility for compassion, an extra concern about the, the suffering of the, of, of, of the neighbours, whether it's the, 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 the Palestinians and, uh, or the Egyptians or, or, the, or the Lebanese or the people in Africa or the, uh, or the suffering communities in our own countries and, and much, much more. So the lowering of the self and, and possessiveness around things, it ex- opens up, it expands things. This expansion, without any exception, is always, without exception, more important than the interests of the nation-state. Because that's a box. There's something much bigger than living in the box of the identity of the nation-state. And... and whatever the nation uh, 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 that might be. It has a modest place in the scheme of things, but its modest place, it's so modest that we can see through it because it's only a line in the mind, nothing on the ground about it, it's only a line in the mind. We can see through it, so we're not going to let our modest identity with the nation uh, state get in the way of looking outside of it and seeing is there empathy and love for the other one can be whatever you wish 
Israeli or English or Swedish or, or German or, or whatever. And sometimes we advertise it. I go on the train regularly from um, uh, home, in this case to Germany or, or to France. And, and like many other passengers, I look the same, I think, everybody else. I, my eyes are still above my nose and my mouth is below my nose and the head is on top of the shoulders. I haven't met anybody yet who's different. And the good <laughs> ticket inspector is walking down and I can hear him, he might be speaking in French if I'm coming from Paris to Dusseldorf or I might be speaking in German if I'm passing through Germany and he walks down and he comes to me and then he says ticket sir <laughs> do you have your ticket he's speaking in German and French and I look and think why, why, why does he think I'm English <coughs> What's so different about me and the guy <laughs> sitting next to me and talks to him and he's... etc. So sometimes, though it's not our intention, you know, but people say to me, oh, Christopher, you're so English. <laughs> Yet another apology is required. <laughs> All right. there. So even though we have our, our love of the nation, why not? And we have our friendships and we have our mutual uh, languages. But not the identity which is to use that to justify the violence. Because it's the death of spirituality. It's the death of something deeply religious, we, we might say, if you like the religious uh, uh, language. In these kind of teachings and practices... What is rather precious about them, in many ways, and this is the spiritual aspect again, in the secular culture, <laughs> forgetting mindfulness, there is really wonderful, and many of you engaged in this, really wonderful work taking place for the welfare of others. And that may show itself amongst you who are here, who are teachers, who are psychologists, who are psychotherapists, um, who are social workers, who are lawyers, who are nurses, who are doctors, and much, much uh, more. And all of that is dharma of exploration and sharing, as, it, as we say. In all of that, as well as the kind of work that takes place here, the heart's wish for those who are engaged in such forms of service is for the happiness, of course, the well-being, the integration, the um, sense of um, harmony and peace of mind of those that you and I have the privilege of serving. And we have a whole army in society of people who are beautifully dedicated to the welfare of others. And of course our good staff uh, certainly to be uh, acknowledged for that uh, as well. The point I'm coming to here is, in these teachings, a well-adjusted, well-integrated, harmonious human being has just finished kindergarten school in the Dharma. That's what I'm saying. 
it's the beginning and the teachings and the explorations certainly point in that way with all the precious importance and significance that there is uh, uh, for us not because the end in itself is to be a harmonious well-adjusted integrated human being rare and precious as it as it might be but the significance of it is from that not perfectly of course not perfectly still probably with some areas and issues to adjust to but the harmony and the sense of peace and the clarity uh, there and that sense of well-being is the first big step to profound realizations and it it would it, would, it is a pity there if in the explosion as the word that frequently gets used with uh, mindfulness it kind of ends up as an end in itself of the reduction of stress mindfulness based stress reduction program though it's and I hear many wonderful uh, reports and of people who are teaching the program and many 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 similar programs uh, there and really helping people to deal with things but in the scheme of the exploration it's comparable to two or three fingers in the whole body of the teaching understand what I mean it, it's an important precious aspect there but it belongs to something much bigger and that sense of something much bigger than personal welfare personal feeling good that which is much 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 bigger than that I call it spiritual and if it gets neglected or forgotten in any way whatsoever what happens and is happening and uh, yesterday evening uh, Leela and uh, Mikhail and uh, Sandy and I going on most of you are probably fast asleep in slumberland uh, there while we were going on for, for around 11.30 or so last night about a couple of hours uh, uh, on this if what I'm referring to and the word doesn't have to be used remember the spiritual which is the profound the deep the awakening something vast in which the whole way of life is a lowering significantly of the temperature of consumerism and money and things and identity and role all of that uh, there that if that's neglected if it is not part of the discourse the outcome which we are witnessing is the corruption of mindfulness mindfulness ceases to be in the great service of a broad vision of life as an aspect of it itself through its constant repetition 
through its reification and sustained use, what happens to it? It's obvious. It becomes a product. It is a product. It's happened. And when something is a product, there's only one thing you can do with it. Sell it and buy it. And the selling of them and the buying of the product called uh, mindfulness is gaining a momentum there. And what we were discussing yesterday uh, evening uh, was the uh, one course coming out of America, where else? And it's an online course online there with fairly prominent uh, teachers Tara, Tara, what's her name Tara Brunch Brock 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 and Jack Jack Cornfield and I heard the online online course is six thousand dollars and I whoa 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 which immediately negates a huge segment of the Sangha who simply cannot afford that kind of money to attend an online course. And I don't care if God Almighty was leading it, I would still say that $6,000 is outrageous. And that, I had a meeting with somebody in London a month or two ago, And this person, uh, a businessman, said that the CEO of another company meets for mindfulness instruction with a mindfulness teacher who was a Buddhist monk in the Theravada tradition for around 20 years or so. And this ex-monk is charging the CEO £1,000 per hour. (laughs) That's, in your currency, around 6,000 shekels. Six with three zeros, not two or one, three. Six for an hour. Every breath is gone. (laughs) And when when one... and I mean, I had a few other stories, but I'm trying to show some equanimity. <laughs> that, when, one, when one hears these stories, I feel a certain sadness that something which was so freely available, given out of love and service, has suddenly become an industry. Not in the space of decades, but in the space of a decade or two. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, there's an appropriate um, concern and critique uh, as, as well, in, in fact, to see, <coughs> though it isn't easy, whether in our explorations and in the knowledges and skills that we have, can we find some way to deeply remember that it's uh, 
a service which is to be offered. To give you another example, a personal, I'll, I'll, I'll mention two. Oh, I've got so many of them. I'll mention two. Uh, yeah, just to spell the contrast for you. <coughs> There's an um, organisation uh, <coughs> network which very beautifully uh, uh, offers on uh, line a meeting with a teacher. So sometimes called Worldwide Insight, now being called Realised Media, and with that particular uh, uh, network that uh, takes place, quite regularly it's done on the Dana donation basis. Uh, which is to its great credit, so there are various teachers, Christopher is included amongst those, and we will have, say, two hours, and people worldwide can tap in, check in, and ask some questions, and explore a theme. And then just recently, I, they asked me, said, oh, Christopher, could you give four one-hour uh, online talked and I said I'd like to talk about the goal, the goal of practice to bring that as the priority and then they sent out the uh, information to people and then said oh, we really would like some more registrations this is fine could we use your email list and I said yes you can send it out uh, there and then actually not out of any uh, anything else but I think a little absence of mindfulness on their part um, set, use the email list a second uh, time okay. and then in the first sentence it was um, I can't remember the exact words but something along uh, along the line this is your last chance to register yeah. and I was in India got back uh, last month <coughs> saw this and so I immediately got on to them, and I uh, and they're friends of mine. It's not not that, not that they're unknown in any in any way, and said I am not selling a product. I'm a servant of the Dharma. I'm offering something. I'm not telling people this is your last chance. <laughs> And to their credit, and bless, uh, bless them for it, they had some di- 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 uh, discussions with, followed by a couple of emails to me in the true Latin, mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa, forgive me, forgive me, maximum forgiveness. I just about did it. And, um, and then they kindly wrote a little note for me to put in the e-news uh, uh, there. The point being made here, it's so easy to emphasise to such a degree secular mindfulness, which I think genuinely has a great place um, uh, there, but suddenly it's, 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 it's a money-making machine. The spirit of it, something's getting lost with, 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 it, uh, with it all. And to give the... C- Contrast a little bit. This is with regard to uh, Germany. Some uh, one of the hospitals in um, Essen, very very kindly, 
asked me to give a, a workshop to the staff, some of the doctors, some of the nurses, some of the management uh, people, uh, a workshop. <coughs> when the workshop finished, they said, Oh, Christopher, what is your charge for the workshop? And uh, I said, I don't charge, not, not my cup of tea. Not the way that I work there. Whatever you give, I will happily receive. Now, I, don't, I don't write down numbers. It's just, I've never done it <coughs> since living under donation since 1970, and I have no wish to start now. I'm too old. So then they sent me some, uh, some emails. And he said, Christopher, look, the accounts department in the hospital can't deal with this. Can you just put down some numbers? Because they've not had anybody who says whatever comes is going to be all, all, all right now. So I can't remember how long it was for. So it was about three hours. And, so I, and, I asked, and they said, really, Christopher, we, we need some numbers. So I, so, I, so I wrote down, I can't remember as much it was, I told oh, three hours, 20 euros an hour, 60 euros. Yeah, boom. And, um, and signed it and, you know, e photocopied it, e emailed it, e emailed it back. They emailed me, this is true. They, uh, uh, they emailed me, they said, with the boss, with the management, we've had a discussion uh, about it. We really, really appreciated your presence, really appreciated the workshop there. So we have decided to give you 2,000 euros. I went, I go, I went, wow. 2,000 euros, I think. Very, very extraordinarily kind and, and appreciative and, uh, and, and extremely... Uh, extremely uh, 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 generous. There are situations, including a number of you uh, 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 here, and you're part of the exploration and discussion here, of course, that in the communications, it genuinely isn't easy in relationship to money. It's not 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 easy uh, there. And I think it's completely fine, no concern at all, where people, in a way, are stating, and remember, completely fine, in which a person, a teacher, a mindfulness teacher, a facilitator, a leader, says, this uh, is the, the cost, and this is the cost, and in that, it's uh, receiving of some income, which is uh, a payment for services. One's got to give consideration uh, there, of course, to the realities of uh, uh, living. One has to give consideration to the numbers of uh, uh, people, to give consideration to the different levels of income that people have, you know, whether it's the, the student, the elderly person who's living on a state pension, the single mum with a couple of kids 
the person who is in debt, the person who is unemployed, and many, many other uh, kinds of people. And there are also those people who, in fact, are quite well off, do have some disposable income, can uh, uh, afford. And it seems to me it's one of these areas in which those of us who are giving service to others there might require, it might need some discourse, some discussion about ways and uh, means to make that service which we offer as available and accessible to as many people as possible. How that works out with sliding scales, how that works out with um, loving communication, but I think it needs to be part of the dialogue. And I think when it's part of the dialogue, it does help to reduce the stress on the server, the, the, the therapist, the meditation teacher, the mindfulness teacher, the, uh, the guide, or, or whoever it might be, to have some interaction and discussion with the others to see what feels appropriate. And there is, with that, because it's shared and looked at, it tends to bring actually quite a lot of kindness and generosity uh, out of people. Uh, there. At the moment, the financial world is so much me and my relationship to it. And for those who are working on the or in the one-to-one world, as uh, some of you uh, are, what contributes to the, the, the support with all of, all of this is to find ways and means, even if you're working one-to-one with people, to find some way to make community uh, uh, out, out, out of it. And... Uh, to give you just uh, two uh, uh, um, <coughs> examples, it's so <coughs> individualistic in the in the culture. I think it's a terrible error of judgment in in the um, uh, priority. So one friend, uh, psychotherapist, living in New York. So he. <coughs> is meeting with his clients, generally speaking, once a week. But every Friday, he invites all of the clients to come and have a meeting with him. At once? At once. All together. They all, they all come. Sometimes they all go out and um, uh, hang out in a coffee shop, hopefully not Starbucks, it's a terrible <laughs> reputation. Um, and Or they uh, meet there and they have an opportunity to share their experiences with each other uh, and learn a lot from each other and also talk quite openly and freely about their therapist who is sitting there in front of them. Uh, And all the questions that they don't get a chance to ask. And I knew one or two of his clients. And they, uh, because the the therapist was coming on retreats with me at IMS, and... A couple of his clients said, we don't want to stop doing therapy with him because the Friday mornings are so important to us. <laughs> and I think it's this kind of sense of community 
when we last year and uh, Ellen was uh, with us in in Sarana the, 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 this is kind of good mindful warning here one of the women during the evening <coughs> program the talk and the meditation had in her language an incredibly deep and significant experience in which a problem which had been with her since childhood which never left her was always different times especially when vulnerable was coming up and just wasn't getting resolved and something happened in her meditation which shifted something and she knew this issue and this trauma and what happened uh, in the child that it was finished she moved on this then released in her a huge amount of energy and the outcome of this release of energy she went outside the Dharma hall in the uh, monastery uh, there and climbed a tree (laughs) this is sheer inexperience of India trees are not made to be climbed and she got up about three metres high and the branch snapped and down she went and with huge amount of pain in the shoulder so this was around 9, 9.30 at night so then we found our cook and then found during the wedding right. party also. during the wedding party so yeah right so they were while they were doing their rocking and rolling to uh, yeah, um, uh, Bollywood music there was this poor wounded uh, this is the point I'm coming to so they went down to the hospital uh, hopefully none of you have ever been to an Indian hospital it, it, it's challenging and the difference was this is the difference in the um, uh, accident and emergency A and, A and uh, E probably here in Israel you wait your turn and then your name gets called and then you're taken to a room and then you're examined in India it's, it's community it's all collective probably because they haven't got the rooms so the doctors and the nurses you've got these people in all sorts of conditions <coughs> there and everybody's being treated simultaneously doesn't matter what it is they're all just you know got a broken leg and this person's had a car accident and this person's just had a heart attack and this person just spilled boiling water over themselves and this person's got malaria and this person's got diarrhea it doesn't matter you're all in it together and they're just attending to them all there and when the friends went there was a certain sort of comfort in it it's not just me in this room waiting for treatment there's a certain thing gosh human beings are all in this all in this together there's a certain authentic, to me certain kind of authenticity uh, and, uh, and, and and the collective in, in the face of difficult very painful and difficult circumstances and then a couple of hours later the good lady came back with the, with, uh, the friend and, and two or three friends who were uh, uh, went uh, uh, with her and bless the heart of the airlines she was from Iceland 
uh, went, went back uh, the next day mm-hmm. and she said she had broke the arm in two places at the top uh, then the doctor said it'd be better if you put you in a sling reduce the pain get back home and get the treatment uh, there and uh, she said to me despite this broken arm she said it was worth it (laughs) 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 to have this unresolved issue for the last 30 25 or 30 years it's over with she said it's worth it but it's better if you don't climb trees after a deep experience (laughs) the tradition says sit under it (laughs) that's better (laughs) so in this in this I'm coming to the I'm coming to the end in the in the spectrum of things just with the languages uh, there's a very valid place for that those spiritual aspects I referred to and to really keep that alive uh, there, that large expanse of exploration there's something awakening and enlightening and liberating when we're not contracted around the I and the my secondly to really appreciate the really precious secular work which is taking place including in mindfulness to reduce pain and stress and tension and much much uh, else there's also a great need in that world I won't speak about tonight but to bring in to the environment of politics and the corporate world much more than the present agenda which I hear and read and write uh, uh, about than current presentations of uh, mindfulness because it, of its belonging to something much bigger. And to explore with others, with each other, ways and uh, means so it doesn't end up as a product but it's a sharing and uh, offering it's a willingness to use the social media. It's a willingness to put the word out. But one is staying true to something deep because it's not a commodity. And, and it's very, very important, I would say, with regard to that. Because every time the prices go up, more people get cynical. And I hear it as a mindfulness teacher and if I may say as a senior mindfulness uh, uh, teacher uh, in the West my ears and my emails get burnt so to speak with people expressing my goodness it's just a money making machinery it's just an industry it's just another product it's already got corrupted we shouldn't use the word mindfulness it's been ruined uh, etc I have concerns but I think that it genuinely is a place for it but it will need us and many others just to find that balance appreciation for secular mindfulness appreciation for the religious tradition with mindfulness appreciations as well for the spiritual sensitivities and if we keep that alive I think it's, it's something which will in the vision of things would be a really deep and precious benefit to uh, uh, many, many people. And each and every one of us has some responsibility because we know mindfulness 
is the first step to change. We are mindful of the situation of the other or the others. We experience empathy. We offer our skills to her, him uh, and uh, them. And we just find ways to appropriate skillfully the exchange, in this case the financial exchange, the energy, uh, the time that we, that we offer and much, much else. <coughs> it's a work. All of us need regularly some feedback and responses to that so that mindfulness is with ethics. It is with spirituality. It is with the inner life. It is with the outer exploration. It is about wisdom. Okay, thank you. So if you have any uh, responses or any uh, questions, if you yes, please, yes. First of all, I'm, uh, I'm I relate very strongly to what you just said. Mm-hmm. And actually, just a few hours ago, I had a, a conversation about mindfulness and about uh, the, how the consumerism kind of got involved with, with this movement. Yes. And the prices, and, the, and I actually used the, the same word you used. Um, I'm involved in many circles mm-hmm. you know, Dharma, mindfulness, friends along the way and um, quite often I kind of feel um, that uh, the use of the word mindfulness and the application and the practice is no longer a, an exploration but uh, is more of a um, um, stable thing, you know, kind of yes. Yeah, mindfulness is a non-judgmental, no, 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 uh, <laughs> fixed. Yeah, exactly. And I, I strongly disagree about uh, this boxing of the, of the, the Dharma. Yes, yes. Go on, sorry, yes, please. And, and you know, in Israel and also probably elsewhere, there's kind of, like you said, an explosion of mindfulness mm. in books and, and mm. YouTube videos and, and whatever. And my uh, sense, uh, the voices uh, I share, maybe you and maybe perhaps other, are kind of um, uh, drowned in the in the um, in the in this explosion of, mm-hmm. of consumerist uh, consumerism, mindfulness practice. Mm-hmm. Kind of, I know when I'm here, I kind of, I feel very kind of empowered and very kind of connected mm. people who are very uh, dedicated and, and not to box mm. liberation. Um, but kind of daily life is not full of uh, this interaction. And just wanted to hear your words about it. In, yes. There are different responses which we may have and I've had the, of course the opportunity to uh, reflect on this uh, quite a lot so because at the moment the mindfulness world is so um, predominant as a, a branch of psychology as a meditation practice, as a method, form and technique, as a way to reduce suffering or stress uh, there. 
and it's going to take maybe some weeks, months or years before it kind of falls into place. So at the moment it's really kind of in our, in our face. There are some choices that we can make. Uh, for some, people like myself, um, still keep a certain kind of faith with the use of the word mindfulness in this larger sense that you uh, were just uh, talk, talking about seeing it in its context of something bigger and just keeping faith uh, uh, with that and the wish to put out regular reminders of the importance of that so it doesn't get reified and become the pr- uh, product uh, there. Others may feel and very understandably that the word itself um, has got too has become too problematic. That there are people around, including um, friends and others, who are saying, as well as in the public and private sector, I don't want to hear this word mindfulness again. Mm. And there, is, there are people who are sick to death of this word. Uh, uh, there. So, for some will make a wise decision as well to say, I don't need this word uh, there, and find that language which feels appropriate for oneself and the others. So some of us use with the understanding we have, and uh, others will uh, change the language and use something else. And I think we just need to keep the discourse, the talking and uh, exploring alive with us. And it's a certain, um, as the tradition will say, a certain, certain duty in this as well. Keep the questioning alive. It's a bit more sharing. Uh, yes, please. Myself, yeah. So after after four years of myself listening to a regular basis to the podcast with Tara Brat. Yes. Yes. For free. Yes. <laughs> And uh, and uh, somehow I'd, I'd say I, I, I'm I'm grateful as well for mm. that course being very expensive because mm. that brought me here. Mm-hmm. <coughs> I was looking into that course and I was like, no way. So that opened up like this this is seeking for another way, and mm. I found this course, mm. which is great. Mm. <laughs> you know, so one thing led to the other. So it's, it's, uh, Yes, but uh, as the point was made a little earlier, I'd appreciate the good, the good words. Owing to the privilege of being able to do that, my concern is for the underprivileged. My concern is for the single mother. My daughter's a single mother. For, um, the, the, for those who are poor and marginalised and who really need a good spectrum of resources uh, there and, and simply... Uh, that are available and where there are situations like as you mentioned with uh, Tara uh, and others it really is precious that things are offered freely but though there is the presence of that uh, as I said with regard to the talk I do feel when things are expensive and I uh, there it's not in the spirit of what is being offered 
That's my concern. Absolutely. Mm. Why do you think it is like that in society? Why has it gone that way? Greed. Mm. Okay. <coughs> Greed. The, the, the desire, the wanting for uh, more, and rather a lot of people have been sold the myth that if something is good you have to pay a lot for it. Mm-hmm. And that ideology, which is uh, the outcome of propaganda, does persuade a lot of people. Yeah, that's true. And the ironic thing is that... Can you speak up? And <laughs> there's some irony in it as well, because it's the people that work overloads that get so stressed and then they are able to pay yeah. for programs that are made so expensive to kind of mm. reroute the loop again. It's, it's yeah. This money yes. thing is... Um, but the people who have the most stress is not middle management who can afford these programs. No, right. The most stressed yeah, yeah. people yeah. are the unemployed, yeah. the yeah. people who are sick, yeah. the people who uh, are unemployed and in debt. We've, we're talking about stress. We're talking about asylum seekers and refugees and immigrants. You know, they're, 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 we're talking about real stress. That, that's and we've got to keep. But this these is people. very much the field where where the hype is taking place. Yeah, of course it is. In the work-related, corporate yeah. world-related. I mean, there is a lot of stress, stress in the corporate world. It's not like it's uh, there. And again. The ideology, and this is where those of you who either work in the corporate world, in the business community, where you have connections uh, and are invited uh, to, and got to be kind of mindful here that the methodology of mindfulness in the business community fits in very neatly with business priorities. Because it's mm-hmm. realizing the obvious uh, for them anyway, not for us, but for them, is that if a worker is stressed out, she or he can't work so well. Yeah. And if the emphasis can be placed upon the individual that she or he uh, needs some stress reduction to work better, mm-hmm. it takes the pressure off the company for its policies of long hours, Mm -hmm. hard work, achieving maximum amount of production in the minimum amount of time to achieve company targets, Mm -hmm. and the employee, the middle management, often and other middle management, having the view where it's all about me, it's me who's not able to cope uh, there. Mindfulness, because it's a, a f- far outreaching there, is actually, in its best sense, is to question what is the dynamic of the structure which is bringing about so much stress in the office? What's going on? Yeah. I think uh, in the Bible it's, uh, it's showing that Moses wrote the Torah from Mount Sinai and uh, 
And people prefer the gold. They say, this is your God, Israel, the gold. Not the gold or gold. ethics, gold. not the moral. Not the we have, as an individual and as a collective, a, a, a choice, a choice to make, a mm. choice to make between the materialistic or the spiritual. And this one in the Bible, when Moses wrote the Ten Commandments, yeah. and people prefer the gold instead of the uh-huh. yes. right. so it's something that's going all along all the time yeah, yeah. yeah. the 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 sum again I'm not <coughs> madly confident in the abilities given all the pressure of the individual to choose quite often it seems to me that the demands upon the so-called individual are so intense that um, freedom of choice I have a doubt about uh, there. I think there is more chance, like we're doing this evening in, the, in, our, in our days here, when we're talking and sharing together. It kind of opens up the space. And out of that, we may have a bigger sense of what direction it may go in. And as you point out, it might just come down to a duality and one takes one side or the other. Am I going to really bring in something deeply spiritual about life, explore life in its richness and its fullness, or am I going to waste it? Which is really no choice. <laughs> yes, sorry. Yes, um, sorry. Yes, I, I wonder if this is kind of maybe dialectic, because there's like this mindfulness, which should actually lead to freedom, which could be a tool to lead to freedom. Yes. But now it's just used in a way which just switches to the opposite and mm-hmm. just is nothing very negative. Like, it, it can be very negative. And yes. If this relationship towards um, mindfulness, if this, you know, like, this can be dialectic. Yes. It's an interesting, I agree, it's an interesting... Uh, one and to give it a, a concrete what I mean here some people yes there is a dialectic with mindfulness you know, of it, is it in a box there's a dialectic that it dialectic that it is leading somewhere you know the, 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 sometimes it's a little bit of one or the other what I can say what I notice with regard to this is that a number of people will go on a course, might be evenings or a, uh, or a weekend, classic secular mindfulness and all the workshops which are available, do get some genuine benefit out of it, which is lovely to hear, and either directly or indirectly get a, a whisper that there's more to it than just being mindful in the moment without being judgmental or whatever the one line uh, is. And I think there's something else more about it. And what I'm noticing is, which is, of course, um, pleasing, is that from the preliminary, for some people, Mm. you know, they've got back pain, they've got knee aches, they've got stress in the mind Mm. or whatever, it then starts the movement towards Mm. more exploration. Large number of people not moving in the direction, but just want to 
reduce or end some kind of stress and if that happens then they feel like I've got that I've finished it so and and both types of should we say people community are around like that leads on further or it's just about a particular problem and getting it resolved yes Jürgen yes yeah um I watched the same or something similar uh, with the yoga because it mm. was like 15 years ago there was the same explosion. So yes. Mm. And I was shocked because... Uh, <laughs> and you're a yoga teacher, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yes, yes. Uh, yeah and, um, actually, there was, there was a yoga book from the States then, uh, How to Get the Yoga Butt. Huh? How to no. Get the Yoga Butt. <laughs> butt. All oh, right. Yoga Butt. So, this was one of the flowers of the movement. Yes. And, um, <laughs> Uh, but now it's like um, the whole yoga arrived in the in the middle of the society because there's now there's a, there's yoga for kids at school. Yes. Mm. Uh, it's paid by the uh, health insurance. So mm. just normal people. The, normally they before they couldn't afford it mm. because the yoga class was very expensive. Yes. Mm. And now the health insurance is paying for it, so you can go two times a year, and you can even uh, go to a mindfulness. Yeah. yeah, course. Yeah. For free. So for free. Yes. So in Germany. Mm. In Germany. Yeah. 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 So um, of course, there's lots of bullshit going on. You know, lots of selling and lots of um, yeah. uh, greed, as, as mm. you say. But there's also a big chance because mm. it's going to the broad Make majority sure. of people, Very good to the point. normal people, to ones who would never go to mm. a retreat mm. like that. Mm. Yeah. But I have s- these people sitting in my classes, yeah. and this is wonderful. Yeah, it's it's really it's a wonderful uh, opportunity and to reach more of them, and maybe this is the way to go. Maybe, maybe it's not bad at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sowing uh, seeds. Hmm? Sowing seeds. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, it r- a really valid and important point that you uh, that you that you make um, because it would be really unfortunate if. Um, it became a kind of anti-mindfulness and I certainly do not want to leave that impression in any way whatsoever to acknowledge and repeat just as you reminded us of the extraordinary benefits which are taking place that it is entering into the private and public sector there is a lot of real benefit which is going uh, uh, on and that greater and greater access is available the concern is to repeat the single concern when the cost of things keep going up and up and up people feel cynical with it cynical they they, they think it's just a money spinner and that is unfortunate and all of us who are concerned with that form of greed entering into the mindfulness well we have to keep our voices alive and express our concern mm. while giving recognition to everything that you just said mm. <coughs> kind of continuing what Jorgen said so in the, it's more of an optimistic view or maybe like a calling of some sort that I think it's more of a what you're bringing here is a more it's it's part of a white 
opulent, is that the word? Mm -hmm. uh, culture, mm. consumerism, mm. and other communities are more communal. Yes. And there's less individualistic mm -hmm. um, approaches. It's less about achieving more and more money. It's more about spreading it through the community. And, yes. and I think it's, and for me, I had the privilege in the past six months to also work with, let's say, at-risk youth. Yes. Um, in underprivileged communities and in prison and they've never heard some of them the word mindfulness or yoga or none of that it's all you yeah, know it's, right. it's I'm the first person who said that to them you know? and, right. I, yeah. and I work in a high tech company that they all know the concept yes. but they don't know so kind of but I've gained a lot from working with the underprivileged mm. communities and and that's kind of how I think in for me, it's instead of like watching it deteriorate, like mm. the actual task that you can that you can take to be a part of like the bigger change and like spreading it and making sure that it spreads and in accordance to your belief system is working with underprivileged communities and not keep keeping it with just people that look like yeah. us. Yes, you know, exactly. Saying us broadly, I know. I yeah. Mean, yeah, yeah. Because everybody here pretty much, you know, is from that kind mm. of would be from a white, more yes. privileged, you know, background. Mm. And then it's up to us to spread, you know, the goods yes. in the other privilege. And it's actually, like, needed, you know, in that way. Because we can be a part of the problem even if we take it to the spiritual max, you know. But if we just do it with our community or, like, with people who look like us, then we're part of the problem. Because yes. there's a need to like mm, take yes. it to where it's needed because we had the privilege of encountering it maybe in its highest form, you yes. know, mm. and not just as a means to mm. like reduce mm. our stress mm. even. You know, but the, just the teachers, Jack included, has done a great deal of uh, uh, work on this uh, theme, and under the general um, banner of uh, people of color and therefore to find ways and means to make it affordable, um, to extend uh, a greater outreach, to offer uh, training to people of colour uh, in mindfulness programmes, and, and much, much more. I mean, there genuinely is in the, in the community some re really precious and important initiatives uh, taking place. Um, it is uh, unfortunate, and I think it's a major hurdle to overcome, that the costs of retreats, not so much in Europe, but certainly in the US, has genuinely has become very, very expensive. And um, I think at the Insight Meditation Center in Barry, Massachusetts, somebody told me the cost is routine for a week six hundred to fifteen hundred dollars, plus the dana for the t donations for the teachers. And it's it, it, friends tell um, tell me that they simply they live a very modest way of life. I mean, really modest way of life, and it's simply way out of what they could possibly afford. Mm. And and that's why Tovan are here, and there are ninety people in the building, fifty hundred meters uh, uh, away. And I think it's the role model. It is, it is the progressive, thoughtful, compassionate way forward is what is, is the vision that Tovena has.
and it's keeping steady and true to it and uh, long, long may it last and when I go uh, travelling I'm regularly remind, reminding uh, uh, people look there are alternatives and they do work and there's one very important one in Israel mm-hmm. and, and people do sit up and they do take notice and there are people um, in Europe in Australia in the United States, in North America, who are looking at this situation of the relationship of service and money and offering. Uh, And let us keep those voices alive. Mm. Enough? Yes, two questions and then we'll... Yes, sorry, Asaf first. In my... The way I see it now, currently... My trouble is I have views on everything. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, <laughs> I, I've, I've written a book. It's got a rather bold title. It's called. It's not yet published. It, hopefully, in a few months. It's called it's pretty well finished. <coughs> the Buddha in the West. The Buddha in the West. Mm-hmm. And the reference to this is in. My, whatever it is, 40, 45 years of uh, teaching uh, in the West. Um, the, the book explores the trends and the developments, as far as I can tell, in my small way, of what, what's been uh, taking place uh, uh, in, the, in the Western world. And just to come back to uh, the, the good point, uh, yes, it isn't easy when giving an evening program or course or talk or class or whatever for those who are new to understand that that bowl that might be put out at at the door um, uh, isn't just coffee money Uh, that it really is to be received and used respectfully for uh, uh, the person's uh, uh, support and so some teachers and fully appreciate that uh, whereby let's say it's a, a six week program once a week will 
um, make uh, a charge which is affordable um, so the teacher then has some support uh, and and I think there are situations where that might be better and uh, necessary or it will require every evening when uh, it is, uh, the evening talk or program is finished even if it's just one new person in the class and the others have heard it a zillion times to actually give clearly and precisely and heartfully a dharma talk to talk about the donation and its value and its importance as part of the practice and exploration and sometimes some teachers and managers are not very confident about it if I may say for myself that I might be have been the first Dharma teacher to give a Dharma talk requesting the money for this wallah mm. and it was partly because sometimes the manager might give <coughs> and the manager was rather nervous and they say oh if you could give a little money to support Christopher <laughs> etc and little money it was <laughs> um, uh, but one has got a family to support etc there sometimes the best speaker on the dana is the student who knows it mm. and so in some places the student she or he will talk about the dana and it's not a pressure for the manager nor is it uncomfortable because some teachers don't like to mention it for themselves at all, which is fair enough. And so that one of the practitioners who have attended plenty of retreats, that person stands up and talks about it. And new people respond actually very, very well to that. So one's got to be experimental and just see what works, either donation system or payment for services system. But no easy answer. <laughs> yes, please. Yes. My question related to this question. Oh, one moment, Go on. I'm 17 years practicing Tovana. Yes. And I saw it growing up. Yes. Very successfully. Yes. Lately, there is young teachers. Yes. And they're using all the communication channels of Tovana, and I got uh, getting every day in my email. Uh, promoting MBSR with fixed price. What do you think about it? That's uh, that's uh, that's right. <coughs> or it should be separate between Dana channels and, uh, as you say, product selling of products. I see. Uh, um, I, d I don't know. To be honest, enough. What I would say that uh, were there any concerns, the community of Tovana and uh, the Tovena board and teachers there are some concerns and you, with your wealth of experience of 17 years it would be worthwhile just sharing and just seeing what's, uh, what's appropriate and if amongst the community that receives these uh, emails does feel something uncomfortable about it or whatever I think it's just to be talked about and then some understanding of what feels right and uh, appropriate it is a bit too much if too many emails are coming in 
and get, one gets a feeling of something being sold. I agree. Tovin and board and teachers need to touch on that one. You're going to ask something? Yeah. I wanted to say that my impression that many teachers of mindfulness. Yes don't really understand the value of the teaching. Mm. So they got the practice of how to, um, you know, the, the, the exercise. Yes. And they became a teacher very fast. But they don't really value the Dharma yes. and uh, the, the teaching of Buddha. Uh, mm. And I find the problem is here because at the moment they do understand it change the whole situation. Yes. Mm. So far you have so many mindful, uh, uh, you have mindfulness teachers and they take it in a very narrow place mm. and you have so many problems. I mean if you think of the amount of teachers you have with the amount of, with the situation you will, you will not get it mm. and you will understand also why we can't make change. Because we take it to a very small place to reduce exactly. our own stress and etc. But we don't really appreciate the precious teaching of the Buddha. Mm. And that's what makes the gap of mindfulness, mindfulness everywhere. But nobody really, very few understand the value of this teaching. The, 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 the point is uh, uh, really excellent in the kind of hammer hits the nail on the he uh, head here. It is this restrictive view there which is one of the concerns and in the restrictive view mindfulness gets associated with uh, the application of certain methods and techniques just that and that alone and some learnt answers to deal with the typical questions that come up and then there's a form of language and methodology and that's mindfulness and it is a very small aspect of the exploration the, and some are making a career out of it uh, sure those of us and like Guy was saying uh, at the beginning uh, as well this sense of the expansiveness, and as you said, um, is uh, important. But what's really important is that it goes deep. It goes deep, and it's in the depth of the of the human being that there is the true riches and the true uh, wealth. And it is unfortunate that some mindfulness teachers, and I know because some come on the retreats, have learned the methods and the technique, have learned the language around the mindfulness, but the depth isn't there. And our consideration, our primary consideration, what enables, allows something to go deep, and in its depth, it will expand beyond the narrowness of um, language and technique. And that exploration is a really important one. 
yesterday evening Leela and I were speaking on this and speaking about the importance of, you know, of deep understanding, deep wisdom and deep exploration, deep uh, practice and it can be that it, in the loss of that it gets kind of spread out and rather lightweight uh, feeling and in the making of the teachers uh, in a way it's the practitioners it's all of you you make the teachers Mm -hmm. so where you listen to and you sense that she or he has some has some depth and dedication and commitment and has a, a understanding there the the voice of that um, will come over when, when we'll sense it we'll we'll feel it and the, the real power um, really rests with the sang of the practitioners and to trust in that and one just gets to know if there is some depth is present and one gets to know if it's on the lightweight rather shallow side it gets quite clear because we're engaged in the practice I keep saying last question we nearly go on <laughs> live with their love wasn't right. so much a question right. but just to say I think that's the case in many spheres of life. Mm. You can do a very quick massage course and be a masseuse. Or yes. You can do a quick few weekends and suddenly be a therapist mm. and magically be transformed into mm. taking on a new role. Yes. So and the same principle. It's the same principle. <coughs> I think it's widespread, yes. not just the mindfulness. It's everywhere. Yes, yes, true. And it teaches uh, uh, for us it would be a, a, an unfortunate thing if we, in a way, kind of stopped being students. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. with this life and the depth of it, there's always a tremendous amount to learn and listen and learn from each other and read and reflect on and to go and listen to uh, the variety of voices of authority on a whole range of issues. And that gives us, as uh, teachers, a, a great deal of nourishment. And the second, as well, which goes along with that, that students and teachers have a role, but also in these communities of us, we have friendships as well. And what I mean by that is, one aspect of friendship is being able to give some response and feedback and and uh, communicate with the teachers, so that we can then learn and grow and understand and, and, and work, on, work on things and that will help us to be better teachers. And, and that's a, again a shared responsibility of students to teachers as much as it is to teachers to students. And that, that's part of the collective cooperating together. Do we have a quiet minute together? <laughs> <coughs>
May all beings live mindful lives. May all beings engage in the collective uh, explorations and inquiries. May all beings live with great love and liberation. So the time now is time is 9.30. Thank you very much for uh, a rather a long two-hour session. Uh, here, thank you very much for the uh, precious uh, questions. Uh, there. Anything more today? So, um, just checking with the boss. So, <laughs> so a good rest, uh, a good sleep, and uh, the beloved uh, bell ringer for the start of the day at six o'clock. Uh, yeah, have a good sleep. Thank you. Namaste. Namaste. Okay.